Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The story of the United California bank robbery is one of the greatest stories never told. Back in 1972, a leader of a small group of safecrackers from Youngstown, Ohio, got a tip from Jimmy Hoffa, of all people. President Nixon was hiding $30 million in a dirty campaign funds in a bank in Laguna Niguel, California, just a few miles from where I'm sitting. Propelled by their hatred for Nixon, the gang traveled to California to rip off the president of the United States. And that is the premise behind this uh, terrific new film called Finding Steve McQueen. And we're joined today by the director of that film, Mark Stephen Johnson. Mark, welcome to Film School. It's about time I got back to film school. <laughs> well, you, 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 will, you will leave here with at least an honorary degree from film school. How's that? Perfect. Sound all right? <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, uh, it's a, you know, this is a story I never heard, and I, I've lived in uh, Orange County most of my life, and uh, it's a, a great story. How did you hear about this story? You know, I'd never heard of it either, and that's what got me excited about making the movie. When the script was sent to me, um, I asked what the idea was, and I told it was about a bank heist. And I thought, oh, I don't, I don't want to make a heist movie. You know, yeah. um, there's been so many great heist films, and uh, you can't compete with, you know, Heat or The Town, or and you know, there's just hundreds and hundreds of them. So, I thought, well, that's not going to be for me. And then when I heard the the concept, and I thought, well, that can't be, that can't be real. I would have heard of it by now. And I started like researching it, and I was like, oh my god, this all really happened. <laughs> Um, and I, I, I thought it was fa- just fascinating. I thought it was the ultimate underdog story about these guys trying to rip off the president. It felt like national treasure in a way. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, we're going we're gonna to rob the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> um, and so I got very excited about that. And then when I started reading um, the script, and, and I was also curious, I thought that was very curious, because every heist movie is always about, will they get away with it? Right. right? right. That's where the drama and the conflict comes from. Are they going to get away with it? And we open up eight years after the fact, and they did get away with it. It's, all, it's already happened. Yeah. And so I thought, well, that's, that's interesting. So how are we going to keep the, the, the drama going, the conflict going? And then you meet Harry Barber sitting down with his girlfriend saying, I'm not who you think I am. And we begin to flash back out of sequence. And um, yeah. so I thought that was really fascinating. I never saw anything like that before. Yeah. And um, so that's when I got excited about the project. And I started talking with Anthony Mastermore, the producer, about how we could make something different. Because... Again, you're not going to compete. We have a very small budget. It was five and a half million dollars. You're not going to compete with, you know, Fast and the Furious for a great car chase, you know, and you're not going to be able to afford, you know, a massive heist or, um, you know, so you start to think, what can I bring to it? What, what, what can we do? And it's like, well, we can be different. Yeah. You know, we can, we, there's a lot of humor in here and, and we can be heartfelt and we can, um, we, we, you know, we can have some some fun with it and try some different things, and that's what got me excited about it. Yeah, and you know, it, it does sound like it, when I initially heard it, and I you know verified that it was a true story. Um, it sounds like something Hunter Thompson would have come up with as as a fictional yeah. story, honestly. <laughs> uh, and which which brings me to a part of the film that I found fascinating. First of all, it's got a wonderful cast. I mean, you you really got some terrific okay. performers in here, and I'd I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, Travis. Uh, Femel, who plays Harry Barber, the man you just mentioned. We've got William uh-huh. uh, Fitchner, uh, who's uh, who's terrific in the film 
as well as uh, just a Rachel Taylor, Forrest Whitaker, Lily Rabe, who I love. I've everything she's in. I think yeah, she's Lily's amazing. She's terrific. And but this is a film that, for, in my mind, really rests on the the tone of the film. And I want you to describe mm-hmm. in your own words what the tone, because it does kind of veer into heist drama, humorous ironic there's a whole bunch of different sort of elements in this film how would you characterize the tone if that's the right way to put this about your film um, no on... it's a really good point tone tone was definitely the the most challenging part of the film yeah um because it does you're right it's it's, it's a broad comedy at times um and then it's a it's a very intense drama and it's a great love story and um you, you know there, there's a lot going on and it, it's it's difficult um, it was the most challenging part of the film, definitely, was was locking down the tone. Um, and I just think that, to me, though, is what made it, that, that's what turned me on about doing the film, um, is when you see something and you go, okay, when you're, when you're making a, a big movie, um, which I've made, a movie like Daredevil or Ghost Rider, you're going to have, you know, there's a lot of money at stake, and everybody has a point of view, and everyone wants to play it safe, and, um, which is understandable, it's their investment. But when you're making a little movie, you get some freedom to try some things. And, and life is, you know, real life is like that. Life is hysterically funny, and then you're crying the next minute, and then things get intense. And it's like, that's, that's the way things really are. And so to capture that and to really honor the absurdity of the story, which I love, but also there's a real people involved here, too. I mean, that to me was the fun of it and challenge of it. And so there was, a, you know, we definitely would have to monitor it. And sometimes maybe we went too far, but definitely sometimes we'd have to pull back. And, um, you know, Travis is a screwball. He likes, you know, most things, most people know him from Vikings. Um, they don't realize how incredibly funny he is and self-deprecating and will always want to push things and try things. And so sometimes they'd have to pull him back. Yeah. And, and sometimes the producers have to pull me back. It's, uh, you know, the great thing is you've got these amazing actors as you said, that um, you trust, and, and they trust you. And, you know, you talk about the reality of the character. All, all good comedy comes out of, uh, out of the reality of the situation, yeah. right? The situation. Um, and, 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 you know, Grumpy Old Men was the first thing I ever wrote. And, you know, there's the, the most powerful moment of that film is at the end when Jack Lemmon's in the hospital, and the nurse asks Walter Matthau, friend or family, and Matthew just looks at her and doesn't know what to say. And she says, friend or family, sir. And he says, friend. Like, <laughs> he's realizing for the first time, this is his best friend, the yeah. guy that he thought he hated his whole life. And it's very touching, and it's what really makes the movie work. At the same time, they're trying to stab each other with frozen fishes in a big fight scene. <laughs> right, right, so, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's a challenge. But if you can get both done, then it makes something, I think, really special. Well, and you did mention, <clears throat> you mentioned Travis, and for me, uh, in watching the film, uh, Finding Steve McQueen, you, it's, Travis is the, the bellwether, he is the, he's the sort of the, the indicator, canary in the coal mine, I don't know, whatever the analogy you want to use, to indicate where the film is and where it's going and why and how. And I'm just curious, mm-hmm. you were talking about the, getting these performances out of this terrific cast of people that you have, did you also find that in, in, Besides the on-set stuff, was there something that you discovered in this in this kind of stew of performances that in editing that you really felt like? And this is since we're a show about film and filmmaking, film school and all. Is there is there something that really helped you in editing this film to get what you were trying to get to? 
I mean, it's really, and I know we've all heard this before, but it's so true that 90% of your job as a director sometimes is just about casting correctly. You know, it's, it's, it, and it's, it's an exaggeration, but it's a good one because when you hire Lily Rabe, you know, or William Fickner, of course, Forrest Whitaker is an Academy Award winning actor and he's a gentleman, he's wonderful and fantastic. But when you just get great actors for these other roles as well, you, you, you feel like, um, it's like, you know, I always say it's like driving a high performance sports car. You know, yeah. you don't have to really muscle it. You just have to give a, just a, a little bit of encouragement here or, you know, shifting through gears or you just turn the wheel a little bit and you're amazed what the car will respond to. <laughs> when you have actors like that, you know, you talk about the scene, you talk about what it is. They don't need to be told what to do. Yeah. You know, they're going to do it. And it's your job just to be able to whisper in their ear, give them a little, a little, a little steer this way or that way, a little encouragement. And, um, and you sit back in the editing room and you're just like, I'm a genius. <laughs> it's really them. You didn't do anything. All you did was show up and you know, say, hey, what if we try this? Great idea. And they do it. Um, great actors come prepared. And yeah. it, but it really is about casting the right people. Excellent. And like you said, that's, you, know, you know Lily Rabe is, is a great actress. But when you sit in that editing room and you watch her, or Rachel Taylor, who's fantastic in the movie, yeah. that plays Molly and Jessica Jones. I mean, when you let her do her thing, you just sit in the cutting room and you just fall in love with her. You're just like, oh, my God, these people are so good. They, you saw what they were doing on the day, but until you're in a dark room watching on the Avid, you know, over and over and over, you see all the little things they're doing and you just are so thankful that you cast these people. Well, I know I've just got a minute or two left with you. So I And one of the reasons I'm so fixated on this line of questioning is because it is a film that will, from the title, you're not quite sure what it's about. About, going to be about and so it's a really open-ended mm-hmm. thing and I think people need to understand this is a light-hearted film and there are some serious elements in it but at the end of the day it is more about the humanity the relationships the interaction between the people involved and so that's why I'm sort of you know been been about the tone of the film and and how you approached it but I do one last thing as well Lily Ray um her performance in Miss Stevens is one of my favorite performances I, for the last few years of it, in film. She did a, such an amazing job. She deserves more run as a as a uh, an actor. I just I'm glad to see her in in your work, and I hope to see more of her. I just think she's a terrific actress. So that's just my bias she's coming brilliant. out. Yeah, she really. Yeah, is. she really is brilliant. The film is called Finding Steve McQueen. It opens on March 15th here in Los Angeles, I believe, at the Arena Theater. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that's where it will open here in Los Angeles. Fantastic. And, I think that's right. And, yeah. Yeah. And and uh, if when people want to know more about it, there's uh, there's the Momentum Film um, site where it's uh, being distributed through Momentum. Is there another website where people can find out more about the film? Yeah. I, I would say uh, look on Momentum uh, a Momentum site. Um, uh, other than that, you can just Google search it, and you'll figure out. I'll find all kinds of great stuff. You can watch the trailer, which just came out, right? Um, get a good feel for the film as well. It's a it, it's a real good time. It's uh, it's it, it, like you said. It's 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 really got a big heart. Yes, and um, it's something really different, which is hard to do these days to make something that's entertaining and fun and different. And uh, man, we had a great time with it. And my God, Travis looks just enough like Steve McQueen to, to make it not feel like a character of Steve McQueen, but an homage to Steve McQueen in the film. And he's terrific. And uh, congratulations on uh, finding Steve McQueen. 
Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Again, we've been speaking with the director of the film Finding Steve McQueen. That will be Mark Stephen Johnson. Take care, man. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.